0: Hello, thank you for joining me. This is Ernestine Lyons, host of Quick to Politic, the podcast, the social commentary show that explores topics ranging from social justice to history, economics, small business, and of course, local and national politics. Thank you for joining me. I'm Ernestine Lyons, your host of Quick to Politics podcast. Thank you for joining us out there live on Facebook. And also thank you to um, all of you who are watching this or listening to this um, on uh, the podcast or watching on YouTube. We are joined by a very special guest today, Um, So please welcome me in um, just giving a big hearty welcome to the Harper Woods family of Rebecca Coleman. So attorney Coleman was born and raised in Detroit and she was educated in Detroit public schools and graduated with honors from Cass Tech High School. Her educational journey continued at Michigan State University where she excelled academically and earned a bachelor's degree in theater Um, after law school. I'm sorry. Uh, she went to law school at Wayne State University. And you know, after law school, she uh, went on to get an MBA uh, from the University of Detroit Mercy. Uh, and I actually didn't know you went to Wayne State. So, um, and she also earned an MBA. So I, I didn't know that either. So I'm learning all kinds of things about you. So welcome. And uh, Attorney Coleman, thank you so much for being on the show um and you have recently made history becoming our first uh female judge here in harper woods in the 32a district court um as well as the first african-american judge so um congratulations on that and you know i just wanted to reach out because even though um i supported your opponent um but at the same time i really wanted to make sure you felt welcome i know when i first you know got elected to, to a local office here in Harper Woods, it wasn't always the warmest feeling of welcome. So um, I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't the case for you. And you know, so you know, with the historical significance of your election, uh, I wanted folks to get a chance to get to know you better. And let's all hear your story. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. Well, first, thank you for bringing me on your show. Um, I know you were um, supporting my opponent, but we we still kept in communication. Uh, we got to know each other and you were always respectful. So we were, although we were on opposite sides, we were still able to come together and respect one another. So I appreciate that. Um, so about me, um, you kind of summed up some of the basics. I was born and raised in the city of Detroit, um, went through the Detroit public school system. My uh, Both of my parents were public figures. Um, for the majority of my life. Um, My mother, the late April Howard Coleman, she was an attorney as well as the school board president for the Detroit Public Schools for a number of years. Um, My father is Judge Donald Coleman. He's been a judge at the 36th District Court since 1992. Um, He's also a pastor. I have four brothers, one sister, and my father is remarried, so I have a stepmother as well. Very tight knit family. Um, We do a lot together, um, the people in the community, um, when we were out campaigning, uh, many people my, my, met my brothers because they were with me um, almost every weekend. Um, I also have a three year old son. His name is Omari. And let me see what else. I was on a rolling team. Uh, like, he's just such a sweetie, too. <laughs> yes, uh, trying to keep him away from the screen for now. Uh-huh. <laughs> But, yeah, I was on a rowing team at Michigan State. A lot of people don't know that, and they're kind of shocked when I tell them that I was. But, yeah, I was a, a college athlete, surprisingly. And I'm an avid runner now, have a goal of 50 marathons. It was supposed to be by the time I turned 35, but COVID kind of put a stop to that. So I'll have to be um, 36 now. And I'm a big puzzler. So. We're,
0: we're the same age, right? You Were were you born in 85 or 86? 85. Oh, okay, okay. So you okay, you are you're older than me. But okay, so we're both thirty, almost thirty <laughs> wait, so you are thirty-five already. I'll be thirty-five
1: um in a couple weeks.
0: Oh, so your birthday is in December?
1: Yes. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. So
1: we're both thirty-four. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, the goal was to make it this year, but you know. That's not gonna No happen.
0: COVID, you know, um, because like you you said you've already run um one marathon, or your your goal is to run more marathons.
1: My goal is to complete 50 half marathons. Okay one I've completed one full and almost forty halves.
0: And that's the thirteen point one. And then a twenty six point two is a full marathon. Correct. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know what, good luck in that. I know that the Free Press did the, they did this and they're doing the, the Turkey Trot, it's virtual. And I'm like, oh, that's not as fun, but um, yes, yes. So I will support you in those those endeavors to run your your half marathons and keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay, okay. So um, yeah, thank you for, for telling us a little bit more about yourself. And um, so I just really want to ask, you know, Who are some of your, your mentors and your role models as far as, you know, just female sources of inspiration we talked about like the significance of you being um, the first female judge and, you know, so what inspired you to, you know, really aim for. You know, lofty goals like one, you know, going to law school and getting an MBA and just just keeping that that sort of spirit of excellence and wanting to keep going higher and higher. Um, so who are some of your your role models
1: growing up? Well, my mother was definitely a big role model um, in my life. She was always a community leader. She taught us um, how to be bold and fearless and really work to push your community to be the best possible, um, the the best that they possibly could be, regardless to who may come against you, you still strive for excellence. Unfortunately, I lost her at the age of 19, but you know, some of her um, lessons I still hold near and dear. Another is my Aunt Patricia, my father's sister. Um, she's She kind of um, just stepped into that place when my mother passed. We were always close, but you know, she she lived in Lansing. Um, she actually is a new resident to the city of Harperwood, so yay for that, but um, she She was a doctor there and she started a medical practice. And so just seeing her determination starting with, you know, with nothing and building this successful practice was really inspiring for me and kind of helped me to um, continue this drive. I kind of, um, a few years ago, I used my mom and my aunt um, as analogies to my marathons. You know, by the time I get to mile eight, I know that I can, to my half marathons. by the time I get to mile eight, I know, yeah, I can complete this race at this point, but I still need a little bit of a push. So I said, hey, my mother is significant for that eighth mile. And then in the 11th mile is when I really feel the fatigue and the muscle spasms and things of that nature. And I just need that 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 extra boost. And I say my aunt is mile 11, the, the, the extra boost that I needed to get past the finish line. So those two play a really major role. Um, professionally, Judge Deborah Thomas, I really look up to her. Um, she is a, a judge who does not just do the bare minimum. She goes above and beyond. She goes across the state of Michigan making sure that people know about expungements. She doesn't she's about no nonsense in a courtroom. She sees that people are not being treated fairly by the prosecutor. She does um she's in on the defense um docket. We well, not on the defense, on the criminal docket. Um, she makes sure that either the attorney reevaluates something, go back to the prosecutor's office. She really just makes sure that there is an equal playing field, and I and I really look up to her for that. Um, and also, my grandmothers, both of them have passed on, but um, to me, they represented hope. Um, unfortunately, in the times that they lived as young women, they were unable to do many things, but. Now we are the product of them and standing on their shoulders, the the women who fought for civil as well as voting rights. So they're very significant. And I know you said women, but lastly, my son, um, birthing him birthed, you know, something in me, more of a drive and determination to really go for um, different goals in life and to really strive for success in everything because I know that his destiny depends on it.
0: Okay, okay. Thank Thank you for that. And, you know, it sounds like you you had folks who were, you know, really some some heavyweights in your corner to give you that source of inspiration. And that also, I feel like it's a good analogy for, you know, you being a runner, and somebody who is going to keep going, you know, no matter what, and, you know, just kind of keep reaching for, for those goals, which kind of leads me to, um, you know, what got you Involved in, you know, law. What sparked that interest, and what were, you know, some of the things that led you to pursue a career in, you know, the legal world, and then ultimately, you know, just kind of wanting to pursue justice and and be that person who, you know, is is going to be a, become a judge. So what what really was that driving factor that made you want to get involved in, you know, understanding our legal structures in this country?
1: Well, I think I always kind of knew in the back of my mind that I was going to be a lawyer. I mean, I grew up in a house with two lawyers, so it was, it was always there. But I remember a time my father was preparing for a trial and he had this toy. It was, it was like a ball with cutouts with different, um, different shapes. And it was a prop for his, for his um, trial that next morning. I, I had to be in elementary school at the time, maybe even kindergarten. And I was like, really amazed by this this ball. And he was showing, I believe, that you can't put a heart in a, in a square or whatever the shape was, um, making it, making stuff not fit. And so seeing that, it was just, I was like, wow, you get to play with toys in court. I want to do this. And so I think that was one of the starting things, just seeing him um, be able to uh, make references to to toys to make the judicial system or the legal system uh, make sense for his arguments um of course i did detour for a moment or at least i believed i did did so when i went and studied theater at michigan state um i wasn't going for acting so much but more so design work but We got a understanding of the whole system. And then one day when I was given an assignment about my next five years, while I was writing it out, I wrote law school. And I was like, hold on, I I think I have to go take a test for that. So, you know, I I switched up, of course I finished that. And I do think that the theater degree actually does help a lot because I am a trial attorney. well, I'm a judge-elect now, but my practice has been a trial attorney and it really helped me learn how to focus the room, deliver my argument, and just uh, overall presence inside the courtroom. So it, it did serve a purpose. Um, and learn, seeing some of the injustices in court really drove me to be, More passionate about people's rights and not and their rights not being violated. I can remember a time I had a case it was a carjacking case and It was the the evidence suggested that it was an unlawful driving away, which is significantly lower than carjacking Um, And we did the preliminary exam I gave argument the judge he went ahead and bound the case over but when I went up to him, cause I, I was, I felt so, I felt that he made the wrong decision. And so when I went up and talked to him, I showed him the jury instructions and everything else. Like, no, th- your decision was wrong. He told me, oh, well you can just take it up on a motion at circuit court. Right there, that's when I knew that a difference had to be made because that's not okay. Right. You know, that, that just was, that was a, a horrible experience and for my client as well because most of the time people who have cases um, um capital cases they have high bonds and can't get out of jail so uh, unlawful driving away they would have had a bond so they have to stay in jail longer because you decided that i could just take this up on a motion instead of making the right decision so in that I, I knew that i needed to be in a judiciary at some point
0: okay yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. But, you know, I think it's really interesting that you did have a theater background because, you know, I think this was just a natural progression, um, other than actually going into acting, acting, you know, because there's oration, there's, you know, having a stage presence, having that sort of, you know, uh, it's almost like you have to assume a persona when you're arguing and, you know, somebody here in the audience did make the comments like, you know, theater is the perfect profession for a trial lawyer. So, you know, it, it was something that did prep you for being able, especially being, you know, a black woman, I think sometimes we we have that tendency to just be like dismissed, overlooked. And, you know, so, you know, it allows you to to kind of assume that confidence that you're going to need to be able to really advocate for somebody. So, you know, that just makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, just kind of being, being a part of that, you know, being able to step into something that's whimsy and outside of who you really are and, you know, um, because you do seem like a quiet person. And the more I get to know you, it's like, you know, it seems that like, you can be a little bit of both, um, you know, just kind of really step into your truth, but, you know, um, also be that person who is quiet, and just kind of watching. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of leads me into, you know, just the importance of representation, you talked about justice and, you know, kind of seeing like, oh, that's not right. So, you know, I want to be the person who kind of stands up for, you know, what should really be done. And um, I think, you know, your, your, your kind of symbolic election in the form of like, you you kind of represent female leadership, you represent minority leadership, um, and millennial leadership. And, you know, just so I think we're also facing America's changing court of sort of landscape. We see that, you know, the, the people have spoken. And what do you think your election really will signify, um, and has signified thus far, and what will be your legacy, you know, as far as being the first woman, first person of color in this role as thirty-two a district court judge?
1: Well. It definitely um, signifies change. You know, that was my that was my slogan, it's time for a change. And it's it's significant with the electoral process because it gives the voters the opportunity to pick who they want. And 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 they chose me. And and that's you know, breaking down the, the the old systems and opening up the doors for many other people to come. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about the people that's coming behind and the the standard that will be set. Um, It also signifies diversity and not just diversity for the sake of it, but having competent diversity in leadership. Um, We live in a diverse community, so it's very important for us to have diversity across the board um, and we don't have to get rid of all of the old, but I do believe that it's necessary to have old, young, middle-aged, all of us all together, multiple races, um, because that's what our community is. And so I believe that the election, my election does signify that as well, as well as opportunity, because like I said, um, this is about those young women, th- those young girls now when they become women, seeing that they can do it, because this door has been opened, that they can be bold enough to go forward and go after their dreams as well, that they live in the city of Harper Woods, uh, where it is okay to take that chance to step out and go after their goals, because we're accepted here, and they can see that it's been done already, and so um that that that's that's what this election signifies, and my legacy i i pray that it is one where um i've known as the bold woman who went out and went after her goals and fought for it and fought hard for it and in in won the majority and that i'll set the standard of excellence That, you know, anything beneath it is is unacceptable in our city. we're, We're going to be competitive with the other surrounding cities, but not only the small ones, but the big ones as well. We can have the same type of programs and opportunities as these other cities that are around us.
0: Excellent. You know, that was that was really well said. And, you know, thank you so much for that, because it really does, you know, just kind of like all of that symbolism and that that boldness that you, you know, seek to show, you know, that this is just just the beginning. And I do think that it's really good in our community that we have had this wonderful progression, because when you really think about it, um, I think Judge LaRose, um, you know, was a very hardliner. And, you know, we talk about like this good old boys club. And I think you know, he was very strict, overly strict. And, you know, it was also a sort of different world of Harper Woods. And I think that, you know, your predecessor, Judge Palmer, I think I was behind him for the most part, because he was that progressive, you know, face with the truancy court and a lot of the, you know, other programs that were put in place that, you know, people weren't really thinking of. And I think that progressiveness, Um, it just culminated with your election. And I think it really shows that people really want to see that in their judicial system. And it was so funny because like all during the election in Harper Woods, it was almost like no other race mattered, you know, but the judicial race. And I think that it kind of shows that, Justice is at the forefront of where people want to see change. And, you know, so they want to continue on, you know, good things that, you know, I personally think that, you know, Judge Palmer stood for, it, and then now I would really hope that you're going to continue and then take to the next level. So um, I really think that that kind of shows that, you know, I know a friend of mine's who, um, he had just gotten into law school, and then he was killed. He was the victim of a murder. And so, like, he was victim of the thing that he wanted to fight against. And he said he wanted to be a prosecutor. He was a young African-American man who had, like, a very bright path ahead of him. But he recognized that he wanted to be a prosecutor because, you know, that's how you continue that, you know, sort of, you know, just making sure that there are progressive people with values that are really important to bringing about greater societal change. So I think that, you know, I, I really, really am like, you know, honored to to welcome you here. Um, and you know, that you you will have an ally in me. Um, but I really think that, you know, it's just, our country is heading in a direction that is, can you hear all that barking? <laughs> I swear, like this dog has been quiet the whole time. But um, it, it, it just points to, you know, us wanting to, you know, as a society, continue to climb higher and higher. And so um, that was, that was another thing, you know, um, you talk about a legacy. And I'm almost curious, I wanted to know, like, if some of your plans for, you know, um, your, your tenure as 32A district court judge can, uh, you know, kind of, includes continuing some of the programs that you know judge palmer was a champion of um like the truancy court like the mental health court and you know some of those kind of things
1: oh absolutely i mean we don't we don't go backwards now we just we're gonna um, continue in those programs and then evaluate what else the community needs in order to progress more evaluate the types of resources that are needed i know personally from Um, practicing in the criminal division that a lot of times when people are placed on probation it's hey stay out of trouble um, go get a job but we're not really equipping them with the proper tools in order to do so Um, lack of literacy is very very prevalent in criminal activity so I, I think that it's very important to bring a literacy program into the probation department so that um, people are trained to have these skills that they need so that they can stay out of trouble, so that they can become um, progressive people. So we need that. We need um, different programs for treatment. Um, drug use and alcohol abuse are also contributing factors that I've seen um in criminal activity. We need legal aid across the board for, for all. Uh, fortunately, in the state of Michigan, the courts have received funding for legal aid in the criminal division across the board, but we are we still need it um, for throughout the pendency of cases in landlord tenant as well as civil, people should not only have the right to an attorney in criminal matters. It's very difficult to come to court uh, anyway but to have to fight against attorneys when you're not trained um and you only have to do that because you don't have the finances is not fair and and we need we need to change that system definitely so um that's another thing and then technology upgrades i think that covid-19 has shown us more than ever how important technology is it goes beyond zoom but you know, just being able to do things through the course website that will cut down on um, in person contact if it's not needed. Um, and just, you know, being accessible more through technology in general, uh, we, we definitely need that. Um, but I think the biggest thing is community engagement, making sure that people understand what happens in the court because a lot of times I spend a lot of time with um, with kids at the high school and middle schools. and they think that court is just uh, for criminals and people who get speeding tickets. And, it, and it's so much more, especially in the district court. The district court literally touches every aspect of life, uh, of your your day-to-day life, I should say. So it's very important for us to, to have that type of um, knowledge given out to the community so that they know what's going on um, to stay connected. And when it's possible, I do wanna have um, some like community court type things where we go to different um, venues within the community and do something minor, but court procedures so that people can, in, in the community, can actually see what, what goes on in person.
0: Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much for, you know, answering all of my questions. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, especially with the literacy program, you know, possibly talking about how, you know, I know we push our kids, go to college, go to college, you know, get an education go to college. But, you know, I I really think that there is a gap there in, you know, kids recognizing the power of skilled trades and, you know, kids also recognizing, you know, the importance of entrepreneurship and, you know, just kind of being involved in endeavors like that, that can, you know, really help, you know, folks really understand that there are multiple options for you out there and the world isn't just a cold and scary place for, with no opportunities for. For you so um you know I, I look forward to you know continuing having those kind of conversations with you and you know i look forward to really good things from you so as we close it out what are some uh one two questions really um what are some words of wisdom that you really want to have for for people out there citizens of harper woods and beyond um and anyone listening uh to to kind of i don't know like face the challenges that we really have been dealing with, you know, the coronavirus has writ large, sort of the the disparities and the, the you know, dysfunctional nature of some of our systems that we've had in place for so long. And then after that, we had, you know, just these these moments of social and, you know, social upheaval. So what are some ways that, you know, you want people to know that there's hope and to feel inspired?
1: Well, yeah, that was about 15 questions.
0: <laughs> I have a long-winded way of asking questions. And I swear my mom is always like, OK, uh, get to the point. And like, no, 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 I, I feel like I'm, I'm always going to be like that person who just needs to go on and on. So oh, it's fine. You should go to law school. Um, you no, know, I have been I have been thinking about that for an entire year and I looked at my like LSAT application um, kind of a portal on the web and I set that up like two years ago. And so, you know, it's really something that I've been seriously thinking about, so.
1: Well, it's it's three years and three years are gonna, they're gonna pass regardless. So, you know, if you wanna do it, I say go for it. But my words to uh, my neighbors, if you have a dream, go after it. Go after it. Do not let anybody stop you unless it's, you know, something bad. But we're talking about positive things. Um, you know, there are going to be naysayers, no matter how positive the message is, but you have to look past it. I always say, you know, I use David and Goliath. They laughed at David, they talked about him, they put him down. But at the end of the day, that giant was slain. So if you want to do something, and and it doesn't matter, don't let anything stop you and get in getting your way. And as far as you know, kind of keeping your peace, because I believe that's kind of where you were going with that. Find a hobby find something that you really enjoy this time that we kind of have to be away from others, really take a a step back and evaluate your life and figure out what it is that you really like, what you want to do and start working on doing some of those things. Like I said, I'm a big puzzler. So I, you know, that's my brain activity. Sometimes my brain exercises, my, my relaxation, find something and in, and dedicate a day to it, dedicate an evening or something, so that you can kind of just step away from, you know, the the craziness of the world. So,
0: um, you know what? I'm glad you said start a hobby because this was my pandemic hobby: starting a podcast. And you know, it was something that, you know, it was it was started last year, but it was so hard to nail down guests and then go meet them and then set up the sound system or either have them come to where I am. And, you know, it was just so much easier to be able to meet via zoom. So um, I did get one question from the audience here. Um, Have you seen literacy integrated into other districts in this way, like through the court?
1: No, not yet. Um, So um, it's always been something on my mind, I have seen it kind of outsourced. But I want to see if it's a way to kind of bring it inside and it, you know, and literacy goes beyond just learning how to read. It could be financial literacy, computer literacy, you know, different, different tools so that you are, that you come out the best person possible.
0: Okay, and so this is going to be our last question and we did get like a nice robust audience, you know, here that they had all kinds of congratulations and um, out here on the on the on the Facebook live um, saying congratulations and welcome and um,
1: So everybody and like, and thank you to the voters and I really do look forward to serving my community, because at the end of the day, this is about service and making sure that you know. I provide to you all what the community needs, and you know, right now the door can't be that open, but um, it's open. Whereas, send me emails, um, call the court, let me know what, what, what you all need because that's what I'm here for—to make sure that the community needs are met.
0: Right, right, okay. So, last question: um, What do you do for like de-stressing,
1: self-care, and things like that? Oh, puzzles. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll I pull out a 2,000-piece puzzle in a minute. And I also, um, I really like logic games. And I know that I was on the LSAT. Like, that was the one section that I think I got perfect on because I'll go buy the books and just uh, figure them out. So See, that's the thing that scares me.
0: I am not a good, uh, you know, standardized test taker. I get test-taking anxiety, and it is insane. Like, I mean, I... Took the, you know, um, the the GRE. I've taken the um, the, the the foreign service test, um, and you know, then there was there were like the Air Force Officer Qualifying Test, um, and it's just like those are things that kind of like I did not do good on because of the fact that I was so nervous, and you know, those were things that you know, I knew those areas pretty well. And, you know, that was the thing I, I, at the time, right before graduate school, I wanted to go into the Air Force as an officer. And, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna take this test, go in as an officer, you know, and then I'll go to grad school. And that was kind of the original plan. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to go about it another way. So, you know, but because I would just get so nervous about those tests. And
1: yeah, And I think some of it is the mindset, because you know how you just said, I'm not a good test taker. Well, mm-hmm. why are not you a good test taker? Probably because you keep telling yourself that you're not a good test taker. So we kind of got to reverse our thinking on stuff. I, and, and we are all guilty of, you know, some mm-hmm. of that self-sabotage type stuff. But, you know, I try when things like that come up. Hold on. Stop. Okay. Let me say something positive, so that you know. Eventually, I can kind of stop those thoughts from coming in because they really don't do anything for us. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you
0: know, that's the thing. Like, um, I know that things that I'm just like extra good at and like I excel at and I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this. And so, you know, that is a, a good closing, you know, thought that, you know, our mindset is everything and we become what we think about and, you know, what we dwell on in a negative way. That's what more becomes like. That's what we attract more of. So, you know, I think it really is important and it behooves us to be able to always maintain that that positive mindset and that kind of gets back to you know this podcast and you know so thank you so much everybody for listening Um, and I started this to be able to have those conversations around how we can be positive about making things different how we can be positive about you know ensuring that we have a a a amazing legacy and that we're, you know, bringing sunshine and positivity into people's lives and we're leaving things better once we have left them. And so um, I want to, you know, invite you all to continue to listen to quick to politic. And then right over here. If you want to scan this QR code, you can follow me on social media Um, and you know, so Rebecca, tell us where we can find you. And are there any places that, you know, people can reach out to you on social media or any other avenues you'd care to share?
1: Um, Yes, most definitely. Um, and I hope I get this right. So right now, um, the campaign webpage is still up um, Colemanforjudge.com spelled out. Um, I'm also on Facebook, I believe it's Rebecca R. Coleman for judge. And on Instagram, it's Coleman for judge as well and i believe that's all spelled out the my email is rcoleman for the number four judge at gmail.com um, i respond myself i am very accessible um so please feel free to reach out and i'll make sure to um, get those all, all of the links are on the website so comforjudge.com will give you all of the direct access to me
0: All right. All right. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And, you know, thank you, everybody who watched ask questions on Facebook. Let me see if we got any more questions. And, you know, and then also for listening and for watching on YouTube as well. So this has been Quick to Politics. I'm your host, Ernestine Lyons. And thank you all for joining. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. This has been the quick to politic podcast. I'm your host, Ernestine Lyons. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and download your episodes everywhere for podcasts are hosts. And remember to follow me on Patreon and you can support more endeavors like this interview and hope to see you in the next episode of quick to politic. Stay safe, wear your mask and be awesome.